0: Amen. All right, so if you're, if you're new here, we, we usually go through books of the Bible here, but sometimes we'll do a series here or there, and, and this is kind of a hybrid. We're going through the book of Psalms, but we're also kind of doing it as a series, because if we went through the, the book of Psalms, it would take 150 weeks, which is like three years. And so uh, we just picked some of the psalms that meant a lot to us, some of the psalms that we think shape us as a people in particular. And so, um, so we've been gathering psalms, and I, I love what we've been hearing the last few weeks of just how to come to God, how to pray before Him, how it gives us a new picture to, to look at Him, the wisdom we could even find amidst the poetry of the psalms. And so I, I love... I love things that tell me how to pray in different ways, because I feel like I'm really bad at praying. And I, uh, over the years, I've seen so many kinds of, of ways that people prayed, and it's been really entertaining. And so a couple examples. I remember in high school, this guy, he was kind of new to Christianity, and we'd pray together at lunch at high school, and, you know, every other word was a cuss word, right? He'd like, Lord, please just cuss and cuss this, cuss it. And, and it was awkward. And you're like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. Like, pretty sure we might die right now, Like. Like, don't do that. And then I remember another time uh, we were on this spring break trip where we had just kind of evangelized around Southern California, and it was the end of the trip, and we were kind of sharing different stories, and and this girl got up, and and there's about 50 of us or so, and she's sharing the story, and she's she's pouring out her heart, And, and, and at a certain point in the story, she just starts to cry, and, and you know, it's a little bit awkward when people cry, but then she starts to kind of ignore us, and she starts just praying to God while weeping, and then at one point she just crumples into a ball, and we're on a beach, in the sand, just crying, and I think we just all collectively backed away, and uh, just said, okay, <laughs> and, and those stories are funny, But there's something beautiful about those stories because I think in those stories, we get to see people just laying their hearts bare before God, right? They're not thinking, hey, I have to approach God in this certain way, or I have to do this thing right, or people won't accept me. But they're just being honest and vulnerable about what's going on in their hearts when they talk to God. And so I think the Psalms do that a lot for us. I think Psalm 13 in particular just challenge us to come to God and bring all our messiness. That God even wants that. He wants to hear about it. And I think too often, even though we won't outright say it, I think we'll mentally do it because I think it's an inclination of our heart that we feel like we got to clean ourselves up before we approach God or before we pray or before we come to church. And the Psalms just teach us that's not true. And so today, Psalm 13 is the psalm we're going to be in, and it's going to teach us three things, I think, about prayer that are really important for us. Um, The first is it's going to teach us complete vulnerability and honesty before God. And then the second thing it's going to teach us is that we can ask God to move and do things. And then Psalm 13, the the last thing it's going to teach us is that we should not forget God in the midst of our messiness. We shouldn't forget God and who He is in the midst of our messiness. So will you guys turn with me to Psalm chapter 13, verse one. It will be up on the screen, and uh, we actually ran out of Bibles. So good work, either taking them or giving them out, everybody. Um, Psalm 13. Psalms, if you're new to church, it's kind of like in the middle of your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And it's a book of songs and praises to God and prayers. So let's turn there and let's just get into it. Verses 1 and 2. This is, it says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. So it's telling us who wrote it. It was David. It says this in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So David starts this psalm out just crying out to God. He, and he's being brutally honest with how he feels. He's saying, God, how long will you hide from me? How long will you forget me? How long will I have to just... Take counsel in myself because I'm not hearing anything from you, God. How long will my enemies win? How long are you going to let this go on? God, God, where are you? And David is not afraid to approach God and just tell him how he's feeling. Now, I think Vince said something a couple weeks ago that was really helpful. He said, when we read the Psalms, we have to remember that it's poetry, and that we can't just create entire doctrines out of a verse in the Psalms because sometimes there's poetic speech there trying just to communicate what's going on in the person's heart. And we have to be especially careful here in this Psalm because if we did it with this Psalm, we'd, uh, with the, just these first two verses, we'd start to have a theology. We'd start to have a thought about God that, that he's a God that hides from us sometimes. Or that he's a God that forgets us sometimes. And the reality is, is that's just not true. There's this, there's this idea in how we interpret the Bible and how we interpret scripture. And it's called Scripture Interprets Scripture. And so we don't take one verse out of context and say, that is completely what, how we need to live, and that's how things go, and that's the way it is. Sometimes that's true, but in, in poetic writings, it's often not the case. And so we have to look at the rest of the scripture that says, uh, what, is it, what does it say about God being far off or hiding or forgetting us? And in Joshua, actually, God says to Joshua and, and to the people of Israel and anyone that essentially he makes a covenant with, he says, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Alright, and then, and then through the prophet Jeremiah, so it's God speaking through this prophet, he says, I'm a God at hand. I'm not a God far off. I'm not far away. And then Jesus himself, one of the last things he said, he said, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age, even though he was leaving. Because God is not going to abandon us. God's not going to leave us. God's not going to forget us. I think there's this kind of like theology in the church that he does sometimes, that he, that he is far away from us sometimes, but that is not the gospel in my opinion. And so, I, but I, I will, I'll say this, I think God at times, he feels so distant though, doesn't he? There are times where, where you'll just pray every day and you just feel nothing. You read your Bible every day and you just can't hear from God and you're just wondering why, why can't I hear God or, or all kinds of things go on where you just feel like God must be far away because of what I'm experiencing right now. I, I don't feel him. I don't know him. The things going on in my life can't be explained by a God that's close. But the truth is God doesn't abandon us even though it feels that way. It kind of reminds me... Uh, of my, my daughter, daughter, Amelie, actually. So my, my daughter, Amelie, she loves, she's just like, let's party all the time. Like, she just always wants to be awake. She, sometimes she just late. like the other night, she got like, we were driving to Phoenix, so she fell asleep on the way to Phoenix, and so then she woke up as we were transferring to a crib, and she just stayed awake till three in the morning, just being like, bloop, 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 like, just like talking to herself. And so sometimes we put her to bed, and we lay her down, and she's totally fine, and I'm like, Hey, baby girl, I love you. Close your eyes. Go to sleep now. And she's like, totally, I'm going to do that. And I'll close my door, or close her door. I'm right outside, and instant just... just like crying she just thinks I I think she just thinks I die every time I leave right and then she'll climb out of her crib and she'll just put her face under the crack of the door and just be going ah, ah, like just over and over and and I'm just sometimes I do it back and I just put my face under and uh she loves that it's, it's not helpful uh, I think I'm training her to do that but uh I think sometimes that's how it is with God, is like, we, we really, God is there, he's totally there, he hasn't abandoned us, but for whatever reason, from our perspective, from our world, it feels like, God, why have you left me? God, what are you doing? I need you right now. Where are you? And so I think David's speaking through his experience, and if you know David at all, he had a crazy life, right? He, he was this guy who lived in a time of, of this king who was, who was evil, and didn't really follow or love God. And so David gets anointed as king. And him and this other king, whose name was Saul, uh, it, this, this king Saul just continues to be king. So, so David gets to be anointed to be king, but he isn't king yet. This other king is still in power. And what's worse is actually David had a friendship or relationship with this king Saul. And and Saul would have him play music, and Saul really liked David, but then one minute, David would be playing his harp or whatever, and Saul would be chucking a spear at him, like trying to kill him, and and David's just there, like, what's going on? And off and on through the years of David's life, David and Saul had this tumultuous relationship, and David had so much integrity that he's like, I'm not going to kill this king, even though I know God has anointed me as king. And then, too, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written, but another time in his life, his own son rises up against him and tries to dethrone him and, and has some success. And so I can only imagine that at times for David, God felt far off. And so he writes these psalms, like Psalm 13, where he says, How long, God? How long must I take counsel myself? How long must I deal with this pain and misery? And I think, Christian or not, I think that we can feel just like David, even though kings aren't chasing us around or our our sons aren't trying to dethrone us. I think we all experience things that cause us to feel like God is far off. I think sometimes we, we like David, we do have enemies rise up against us. Right, we've had coworkers that we hear that they're kind of just talking behind our back or trying to make our lives harder. Or we have customers who who are just meaner than you can imagine. Right, if you're a customer ever, can you be nice? By the way, church, um, because we have customers who are just insane in places sometimes, and we just have to. Uh, being nice and loving. And we have family members who are just, that just hurt us by their selfishness sometimes because of whatever going ons in the family. And, and, and we have even friends that, that, that love gossiping so much and they'll gossip behind our back or say things that are just totally not true or take something we said out of context. And we even, unfortunately, sometimes we have spouses that, that hurt us with their words. And so there are times where it feels like enemies are all rising up, and we can say, God, where? how long do I have to deal with this? How long must I suffer? I think sometimes we feel like God is gone and missing because we, we've been in chronic pain for years. We've just been experiencing a pain or a disease or whatever, and it's just not getting better. And it's hard for us to look at the Bible where Jesus heals so many, and He's the God who heals, He's the God who wants a kingdom without pain and sickness. And we have to, as Christians, sit in this pain and sickness, and it causes us to go, God, how long? How long will you be far away from me? How long will you forget me? I think too, I just sometimes I feel the way David feels when I just like watch the news. When I just look at, and the news is not a good place to do this, but When I just see the brokenness around me sometimes, when I just look at down my street and see what my neighbor's experiencing or what has happened or even things happening to us randomly and chaotically, it makes us go, God, how long? How long? Where are you? I think, too, some people in this room, you've you've come to church and you've tried to do the church thing and... And you've been doing all you can, all the religious things that you've been told to do, but for whatever reason, you've never, it's never really clicked for you. you. You hear people say, Jesus loves me so much. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if he loves I know that the Bible says that, but I don't know if it's true for me. And you're like, why, God? How long till I can experience you and know you? And I think one, one last kind of thing that help, makes us feel like David does and is, is some of us just struggle with depression. Like where there's, I don't know, there's many causes, and and it's not well-defined sometimes, but there's many things going on where we just struggle with depression, and we don't know what to do. And we try to do all the things our friends are telling us, or all the things the doctors are telling us, and we still just have this just sadness and depression in us in times when we don't want to have it. And we just are like, God, how long? God, how long? And please, I hope I wasn't being flippant about depression. I think uh, uh, definitely it's a, it's a thing that where you need to see a doctor sometimes or get on some medications or whatever, but it's so complicated that I think often it just makes us cry out, God, how long? And I think if we could all be experiencing one of those scenarios at some point in our life and it causes us to go, God, where are you? Why are you hiding? And I think Psalm 13 gives us a template to deal with that, to deal with those things, not to solve those things, but to deal with those things. And, the, and Psalm 13 basically just says, tell God about it. Talk to God about it. Cry out to God about it. Just give him your heart and let him know what's going on in it. I think I think we just... I think with God, sometimes some of us is just like I can't, I can't approach God unless I'm completely reverent and I'm completely ready and and everything is okay. But God uh, and I, I gotta say the right things. And I even saw it. Like I told you guys, my friends, my friend cussed while he prayed. Some, I saw some of you go like, "Oh my, why didn't you kill him?" Like you, like I saw you guys like you're like, "Why are you even telling this story, Anthony?" And like I saw it. And so, I'm not saying you should cuss to God, but what I'm saying, though, is God is okay with our messiness. He's okay with our hurt. He's okay with our doubts to say, God, where are you? God, where are you? And I think if we became a people that were better about talking to God and not just all our friends, but talking to God about our pain, about our depression, about whatever's going on in our hearts... I think there would be a shift in our relationship with God. I think there would be a transition into a better relationship with God. This is a, this is kind of a lame example, but I, th- I think the shift looks like this: is uh, when I was in high school, uh, my first like real long term girlfriend broke up with me around my senior year, right? At youth group, it was like, come on, uh, I'm still a little bitter. and uh, um, and so. Uh, So, she broke up with me, and I was really torn up about it, and I was really hurting, and I I go to my room, and I'm just lying in my room, and I'm just, like, crying, and I'm, like, listening to country music, and, like, I don't even like country music, and I was just, like, a mess, right, and um, my my mom, you know, she hears the weeping or whatever, and, uh, she comes in, and up to this point, me and my mom didn't have the best relationship, and that was, mo- it was all like all my fault. And uh, I was, like, not the best kid. And um, she comes in, and I think my parents knew. I think my siblings were like, oh, yeah, she totally broke up with them at youth group. And, uh, and she comes in, and she's just really gentle with me, and she just, she just lets me just lay out my heart of pain. And I, you know, I was probably saying crazy stuff, and she she was speaking things in my life, she prayed with me, and she just sat there and just kind of let me cry and weep and just feel the pain of it. And honestly, with me and my mom, that was, that was a transition in our relationship, where I realized I could bring my messiness to my mom, and she wasn't going to, like, abandon me, and she wasn't just going to step aside, or she, she wasn't going to say, that's too messy, I can't deal with it. Anymore. It probably helped that she, she did my diapers when I was younger. But, but, but she wasn't afraid of that. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we're too afraid to bring that stuff to God. We're too afraid to scream out to God. Like, we're too afraid to just give him all our emotions and our rawness. But Psalm 13 says, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. And there's there's lots of other Psalms that do this too. It's not just Psalm 13. And so I think we should not pass by these verses lightly. Like we should look at it and we should look at how we talk to God in the midst of our trials and our pain. And we should say, do we bring how we feel about that pain to God? Do we actually bring that to Him and tell Him, man, this is how I feel, God? It feels like you're not here. It feels like I'm abandoned. It feels like my enemies are winning. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we, we petition God all the time, say, hey, can you change this? Can you change this? Can you change this? But not many of us actually say, God, can you, here's what's going on in my heart. I think we can get better at this. I think we really could. Even Christian or not, like, I think there's, a, there's something in us that could cry out to God and, and be better about it. And I think the next, the next couple verses, David keeps being dramatic. It doesn't change. He keeps being over the top. He keeps being messy. Verse 3 says this, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I feel like he was a teenager when he wrote this. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And so David takes a transition in the prayer. And he, he's like, God, look at me. Help my, light up my eyes. He's just saying, like, let me be happy again or I'm going to die. Like, so super dramatic, right? Or I'm going to die, God. Like, it's just going to be like this forever. Like, he's just getting so messy. It's so like, what are you saying, David? And then he he's like, are my enemies over here? They're just laughing at me. <laughs> like, God, what are you doing? Like, it's so messy. It's so dramatic. It's so over the top. And yet, no place in the scripture says, hey, some of the things David wrote in the Psalms, like, we don't do that. That was just David's thing. Like, no, the Psalms are there to encourage us to how we can pray to God, and it's completely okay. And so these, these two verses show us that we can ask God to help. We can ask him to do something in the midst of us being dramatic. And I think we're we pretty good as a people asking God to do things. We're, we're really good. But I think we're really bad about being honest about how we want to ask God. Like being honest with what's going on in our hearts. Like David wasn't. He got real dramatic with it, right? Like just light up my eyes lest I die. Like I'm going to die, and it's your fault. And like he's just getting so dramatic with it. And I think that there is something good and for us in our relationship with God if we would just do that. If we would just be honest with God and when we're asking him to do something, to shed tears because it hurts. To be honest and blubbery because it hurts. To be dramatic even though that might not be true about what's going on. And in these first four verses, we just see David give all of his messiness to God. He's not afraid to give his messiness. He's not afraid to give his doubts about God. He's not afraid to bring all of that to God. And I want us to be a people that get better at that, that that we be willing. But the last two verses, I think they help some of us who are maybe more like me, that we, we take our messiness to a level we probably shouldn't. You know, let, let's just read it and we'll talk about it. It just says this in verse 5. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's like a drastic turn, right? In the psalm, like David is like desperate, desperate, desperate. Then he's like, but... I've trusted in his love, and actually God has dealt bountifully with me. He's been generous to me, and I think this is, so God still wants our messiness. God still wants our emotional breakdown, but I think especially kind of in the American church, sometimes we let what we feel dictate everything we believe, Right? We let it dictate how we pray. We let it. What, what's sad to me is like sometimes we, we, feel, we say we feel like God isn't there, so we're like, he's not there, so he must not be there if I don't feel him. Or I've seen this a ton in the church where we follow God in a certain way because the Bible encourages us to do that because we're reflecting who God is, but we don't like how following God or obeying God makes us feel, or we read something in the Bible and we don't like how it makes us feel, So we go, well, that must not be true about the Bible. That must not be true about God. Because it it makes me feel yucky. Like, it makes me feel bad. Like, everybody in society doesn't like it. And so I think that this, the last two verses, is a good precaution for us in our messiness. Because in our messiness, in our vulnerability, when we bring it all to God, we can quickly become people that, that let it just completely rule our lives. But for David, that's not what ruled his life, right? God ruled his life. God ruled his life. And so he he didn't let his messiness get all out there without also reminding himself of God and who his character is. And so that's the last part of the thing we can learn from the psalm is that, that we can bring our messiness to God, but don't let your messiness rule over God. Don't let your feelings rule over who God is and who he said he is. And let's be honest, we often do that. Every time we read the Bible and say, I don't know about that, I don't don't like that, I'm not going to follow that. We're doing that on some level. So we have to be careful to remember that that God is a God of steadfast love. That God has made a covenant with us, a promise of a relationship with us. And David, in this psalm, he couldn't forget that either. Right? Even in the depths of his despair, I don't know what was going on exactly in his life, he couldn't forget that God made a covenant with him. And what's awesome is God is actually, the Bible says this, God has made a better covenant with us. This, this idea of a covenant is like a marriage, right? This, this relationship that you're not gonna get out of no matter what, basically. And it's so much more nuanced than that. It has so much more. But God made a better covenant with us. Right, in this God made the world, right, and He made Adam and Eve, and they sinned. And as soon as He brought, as soon as Adam and Eve brought sin into this world, it changed our relationship with God, right? We see in the early parts of Genesis of like God basically like walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, whatever that means, that He had a closeness to Him, that they have these conversations and all these things. But then Adam and Eve they sin, and their first reaction to sin. It's not, I got to run to God, tell him what I did wrong. It was like, we got to hide in the bushes. We need some clothes. Like, we, we're messy, and we got to keep that messiness away from the holy God of the universe. And there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of truth to that reaction, because they knew how righteous God was. They knew how much he hated wrong, I think, even though they didn't really know about it till then. And so Jesus, he sees this. He sees that the, the people that he created, the people that he loved, the people with his image on them, that, they, that they've created this divide. That they, they've created this divide. And so Jesus, he said, In that, I'm going to run down to that. I'm going to run to their messiness. Right? And he ran and he became one of us, and he showed us what it's like to, to have messiness but no sin. To 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 be honest before God, to have an actual relationship with God. And so Jesus lived this thing out perfectly. He so he showed what our relationship with God should be like. And he was sinless. And so then Jesus said, I'm gonna I'm gonna die for the the, the death for them. I'm gonna, the sin, he knew that sin had to be punished. The the way to defeat sin is to punish it, to kill it, and to destroy it. And so Jesus said, okay, I'm the only one that hasn't sinned, so I'm going to take that punishment. I'm going to step in its place. I'm going to step in humankind's place for them. And so he dies on the cross, and then he raises from the dead three days later, and he defeats death, too. Because that was another thing that sin brought. And so he raises from the dead, defeating death. And now when we trust in him, he he has a better covenant for us. A better one than that David even had. Because in God's covenant, he says, listen, just trust in me to take care of you. Trust in me to take care of your sin. And then now when we sin as Christians, we don't have to act like they did in the garden. right? In the garden, people just, Adam and Eve ran away from God. And I can relate to this. Honestly, Like sometimes me and my wife will have a fight, and it's probably my fault. And I'll be angry, and she'll go to the, another room, and I'll be sitting there, and I'll be so angry, and I'll just hear the Holy Spirit say, like, just, hey, Anthony, pray to me right now. And I can just feel myself being like, no, I'm not going to pray to you until I feel better, until I'm bad. Like, I, I just feel myself recoiling from God. And Jesus saw that divide and he said, listen, I'm going to defeat sin so well that even when you feel that way, you can just run to me. So now when we sin, now when things are hard, instead of getting better, we can just run right to God. We can run in his arms. We can give him our hearts. We can ask him to help us. And so I hope that we we look at this, this psalm and it changes our prayer life. And our praise life and how we talk to God. Because I think too often the typical person's way to approach God in prayer is either really structured, which sometimes is good, or just really God give me this, God give me this, God give me this, which some of that is there. But I think sometimes God wants to know why does our heart want that so much? God, oh, oh, And tell God why we feel that way or why this is going on in our hearts. So I think that Psalm 13 just shows us that, that God has, has more than a religion for us.
1: Right? God has a relationship
0: for us. What I love about what Jesus did when he said, man, I'm going to reverse what happened in the garden. I'm going to reverse that so that you can run to me instead of hide. Is Like every other religion in the world, not every other, but most religions in the world are like, clean yourself up and that's how you get to the end. Right there's, there's literal religions that say, no, you've got to wash your hands pretty thoroughly before you can even pray to God. But Jesus is like, no, you don't have to do that. You just bring all your messiness and even kind of your wrong theology here in this moment. You can bring it to me, and I will love you the same because I have a steadfast love for you. And so I think that we need to realize that Jesus and God of the Bible has such a relationship with us that it's not just religion. It's not just doing these right things so God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be able to pour our hearts out to him, our anxieties, and and trust him with them. And even if he doesn't move to trust that he's God and that he's full of love. And so I hope that we can be a people that dive into that. I hope that we can be a people that change our prayer lives a little bit to be a little bit messy before God. And I'm not saying just add messiness to your life, but the messiness that's already in your heart and in your mind, bring that to God. Let God deal with that. He's not gonna destroy you for it. He's gonna gonna love you in the midst of it. Not because you're awesome, but because he is just loving. So let's be people that pray better, amen? Let's pray. God, just thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 13 and just, you know, I think, God, uh, getting a picture into, it's almost like getting a picture into David's diary or something. But what's cool about it, guys, it's guys, like, it's like David's approved diary for us, and we get to just see how he prayed and see how you said he was a man after your own heart and that we can be people like that as well. And I think, God, part of that is just being more intimate with you, being more vulnerable with you. And so, God, help us to be that kind of people. Help us to realize that we can have that kind of relationship with you. And so, God, make us a people that pray. Make us a people that run to you. Make us be a people that are not afraid to, to tell you our doubts. And so, God, we love you. And we need you so much. We just pray all of these things, Jesus. Amen.